The post-war boom saw major road construction across the country, which included many new bridges. There is much to learn from the life and times of this period. Recently, a well-respected bridge engineer who had worked for the New South Wales Road Authority passed away. Ray Wedgwood was technically excellent, but he also had a passion for the aesthetics of a bridge. It helps if it looks good. During his career, Ray's manager at the time, Brian Pearson, wrote a book, Aesthetic of Bridges. The Road Authority has subsequently put out a publication, Design Guidelines to Improve the Appearance of Bridges in New South Wales. But his long career also reflected a time when the professional engineer was valued within a more nurturing environment of the government authority. A man who was there at the time is our good friend Ken Dobinson, who joins us on the line now. Ken, did you know Ray well? I knew Ray very well, actually. He was not an, a uh, dominant feature as such. He was just the, what you would describe as the quiet achiever. Therefore, he was a very quiet person, but a very competent and able person. And, of course, in due course, by the time he left the government, he was probably viewed as the preeminent structural engineer in this country. One of the bridges he's famous for, but perhaps the last uh, bridge, major bridge, was the beautiful Anzac Bridge in Sydney across Blackwattle Bay. How hard did they have to convince you to make that a cable stay bridge? A very, very good example of Ray Wedgwood. Ray had just been appointed the chief engineer Bridges in the Road and Traffic Authority at the time, and he presented well-reasoned and excellent cases. And he did that with the Anzac Bridge, or it wasn't called the Anzac Bridge then. But he produced a wonderful report, which he came up and explained all to me and described all the options and that sort of thing. And he was arguing for a cable-stayed bridge compared to a supported cantilever bridge. The supported cantilever bridge was was somewhat cheaper, a little shorter, but it had its feet in the the water, whereas the cable-stayed bridge had it out. After a lot of discussion and arguments on his behalf, I remember quite clearly stamping it approved. Ray, you haven't convinced that this is the best option, but it's certainly the best option in t- to Sydney to complement that great coat hanger we had over the road and we approved it. Well, if you look at urban design now, there's much talk about things like Circular Quay and how the Carl Expressway, which among other things is a roof over the railway line, but how that detracts from the aesthetics of the city in many ways, was Ray ahead of his time in understanding the the acceptance of a bridge and the support for doing things properly was based on its looks? How important was that, do you think, or is that one of the important messages that he managed to promote? Ray promoted it to a great extent, and as I said, with the uh, Blue Island Bridge, the Anzac Bridge, there's a perfect example of it. I don't think you could imagine today any other bridge in that position except that delightful cable-stayed bridge. But Ray had a wonderful introduction to blending structures, and particularly bridges, into the environment. He came on stream fairly early in his career when we were building the first stage of the Sydney-Newcastle Freeway through the Hawkesbury Valley. And at that stage, we were a pretty hard-nosed 
engineers, you know, you build things to do for a particular purpose. But with the Sydney-Newcastle freeway, we had imposed on us, and I use that advisedly, a new architect who became a leader in his field, a fellow called Peter Spooner, very well known today as the initiator of blending architecture in with the environment. And he became a great friend. He was held at distance being an architect in an engineering environment at first, but he became a great friend and advised us on how to blend in that road to the environment through which it cut. One of the key things was to get bridges that worked in their local environment. And, of course, Ray was on that job with Brian Pearson. Brian Pearson, of course, wrote that book, Aesthetics of Bridges. Was that a major step for a road authority to show that they were, if you pardon the pun, bridging that gap from hardcore structural there's almost a you know if you show a strong structure you're showing your strength but if you show a an empathetic structure you're showing your sense of aesthetic values was brian pearson's work critical in the dmr absolutely brian was the leading up the bridge section when we built the sydney newcastle freeway he'd just come into the job and he wanted the bridges to look right and he aligned beautifully with this Peter Spooner. Today, except for Peter and Brian's contribution, of course, you wouldn't have the Joel's Bridge halfway up the other side of from the Hawkesbury. Wonderful bridges sitting in there in, in all their glory. The engineering alternative that we developed at the time was huge retaining walls on either side to hold a mass of dirt and rock in its place, and we built the freeway across it. I don't think you could imagine today, looking at that environment, that what those horrible (laughs) retaining walls would have looked like compared to the Joel's Bridges, Brian's initiative. The engineering approach only would have scarred the environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's not hard not to have an impact. I mean, you can't short of building a tunnel, but nonetheless, it was good. Now, Raymond John Lloyd Wedgwood, he was born in Dorigo on the 27th of May, 1942. Apparently, it was the middle of winter. His father, actually Jack, he was an apprentice builder and he played rugby league for St George. And I believe they won the premiership in 1941. But that notion of coming from the country... Ray said that the environment within what was the DMR then, Department of Main Roads, was one for looking for the practical, often bush-based, I say guy, if you pardon the sexism, that was the time, I think, that was good hands-on. Is that how you remember it? Absolutely, yes. It was a very hardcore engineering organisation that he he entered into and... uh, and, you know, had to work against if he had beliefs in needing to make things look better and fit in with their environment. And uh, so it was a very, very hardcore business. He had a bigger problem to overcome, and uh, with, which was the situation those days when we had a Department of Main Roads called the DMR, but the organisation, in its engineering sense, operated as two departments, the Department of Main Roads and the Department of Main Bridges. And uh, I don't know if you can recall that, and this was emphasised when we built the M4 freeway many years ago, where all the bridges were built and stood out there in the glory for quite some years before a road was built to connect them all. I think there's still one 
channel has been cut that is still left vacant near Gosford, isn't there? Yes, yes. The uh, freeway was was planned. Well, it wasn't. A, it's not a channel. It's a fill. Was actually planned and built with again in that case probably the environment in mind. The freeway was extended towards Gosford, heading right towards Gosford, and yet years later that section, which is still sitting there, was abandoned and we built, of course, the road up through Calgar and across through the Mooney Creek with that majestic Mooney Creek Bridge. Another bridge that's notable but was probably secondary to the environment at the day but came about because of the relatively, use the word, narrow attitude to build utilitarian, least-cost structures. Just as an aside, my memory, not memory, but I think I've read somewhere that there was within departments such as the DMR certain sectarian divides that it depended on your uh, religious affiliation as to which area you went into. Were you ever aware of that? Uh, I was aware of it, the discussion about it, but I think that was in the past, David, by the time I joined the organisation, the, the, well, I wasn't aware of any such uh, alignments at all. I think even in the police force at that stage, and later I remember speaking to Gary O'Callaghan who said there was a police commissioner who was uh, of the Catholic faith and there was the minister who was the, of a uh, Mason, or it was the other way around, and it was deemed impossible for them to get on, but as it turned out, they did, which I think perhaps is an, a reflection of you talking about that that time evolved on. Now, it was a time of bridges, wasn't it? I, is my memory right? The last ferry to remo- be removed off the Pacific Highway was in about 1963 or 65, so we needed to build a lot of bridges, didn't we? Yes, it was a period of bridges, and I think the period of bridges was probably led to a large extent by Brian Pearson, you know, highly supported by the likes of Ray Wedgwood, because we went through a very, very heavy period of building bridges, and not only building bridges, but building new style bridges, bridges that had curves in them and, and humps and went around corners and those sort of things, which, of course, really took off when bridge building or bridge design moved into the electronic age and those great we used to have to do with hand calculators were suddenly able to be done by computer. That was that era. I spoke to the guy who designed the Gladesville Bridge. That was a time of actually, I think he developed the programs in order to do that analysis. Ray came just after the Gladesville Bridge, but that beautiful, long, arch, pre-stressed concrete bridge, how much do you think he liked that one? Oh, very, very, very much. It was an introduction to moving out of the, you know, the straight bridges, straight across streams and that sort of thing. And for Australia to move into that field, we needed something like that Gladesville Bridge. And, uh, you know, it was a classic. I think at the time they were given, the guy was given the brief, the name will come to me, I should remember it, was given the brief when there were two computers in the UK that could have been used. But it's an interesting thing. Now, naming of bridges or dedicating bridges, I think you wanted to get one bridge named after Brian Pearson. Was that easy? No, that was, I can't say close to impossible, but possibly was. 
because we never got it approved but uh, in informal terms but in those days nobody was allowed to have the honor of opening bridges of course except ministers of state and we wanted something for Brian because he was a notable leader in his field in this country and we chose a very minor bridge if you like a pedestrian overbridge but it's in the form of a a cable stayed structure which Brian introduced up there at Mount Kringai, that's the pedestrian bridge and Laurie Brereton was quite supportive of this but you know he was biased, he, he saw th- things quite differently to many other politicians but then we had to get federal approval because it was a joint structure financed by the state and the feds. Unfortunately I never ever got that but I did get a bit of a notion that maybe they wouldn't object so we, we actually branded that bridge if you like the brian pearson bridge and it's still there today of course and i hope the plaque's still there and we opened it and that was a breakthrough because there'd been no other bridges the uh named after leading engineers they were all named after uh, ministers of state there's also the giovanni brunetti bridge near mascot which was named after the former not officially I, I love the fact that it's not official i believe there's a movement now to try and get a bridge named after ray wedgwood yes I, i've heard that but i just hope they're lucky oh the classic of all time of course was the bridge that was never named after anyone as the giles bridges they would they just got that name branded on them for the sake of putting it on a set of drawings you had to call it something it was called giles bridges giles happened to be the ganger in the BMR who worked that length. So he's got a bridge named after him by default, if you like. Ray has written in the past about how important it was to be able to work as a group, that all the members, including the foreman and that, were uh, respected for what they could do. He said when, as a young engineer, he went to a site and the previous engineer before him had gone to the site and said to the foreman, basically, shut up, I know everything, just get on with your job. Whereas Ray was one who wanted to and respected everyone within the organisation. And also uh, that means not just are you good or are you bad, but how do you develop? How much of a time did there, was there a focus on developing engineers within the DMR? Yes, David, very, very much so. And I'd say from my memory back to day one, because you had engineers who were produced largely from the university, largely from Sydney University, who were competent people in their technical knowledge, but largely in their early years lacked any practical knowledge. And so you had the problem, suddenly an engineer was the project manager for a bridge. That's okay. And he could design it and work out all the loads and stresses. But if he didn't have a wonderful relationship with the foreman for the bridge, he'd probably built more bridges than he would build in his life. The system just wouldn't work. So there was a good allegiance there. And I can only say that the smart engineers latched onto that heavily and possibly a few not so smart didn't and probably ceased to build bridges from there on. Ray has said that, uh, and I quote some of the oral history that they've recorded of Ray, that the DMR had a good scheme and a vision of what they wanted. Now, while that vision may have been very focused on engineering and Ray broadened that, it was nonetheless a more collegiate, he used the word family, 
not in a schmaltzy sense, but in the sense of valuing and encouraging people. That doesn't seem to be as strong these days within government organisations. I've noticed exactly the same thing. It, it was, and, and of course, even today, you're looking back at those fellows who largely retired and, and are sitting back, you know, hoping, enjoying their superannuation, you might meet up with those people, whether they're engineers or foremen, and they talk about the bridges they personally built. And that is so right. Neither the engineer nor the foreman without either party could claim we built those bridges. Laurie Brereton was the one who put his name on many signs, but he did bulldoze his way through things and get some things done. Is that helpful to have a minister like that? Yes, yes, it was. He he was like that and, and got accused of taking all the credit for things, but equally, I've got in my view, he also gave credit. And as I said, with naming that Brian Pearson Bridge, I didn't have a problem with Laurie at all. He quickly acknowledged that the fellow who had developed the concept of cable-stayed bridges, which was the earlier concept, in a little tiny footbridge, deserved to have his name on that bridge. There was a, a reporter who used to fly around in a helicopter and give traffic reports later, Wayne Hutchins, who, while he was in the helicopter, had a heart attack and they got him down and he had to go and uh, have an operation. He said that his bypass was the only thing Laurie Brereton hadn't opened. Yeah, well, uh, yes, exactly. That, that was the name that Laurie earned himself by you know with the way he he went on with many things that he did and he he deserved the credit in many cases maybe not from initiating them but certainly never standing in the way and giving great support to people who did come up with different ideas and new and new concepts it says we have to balance history with an understanding of the dynamics and the life and times that existed ken thank you very much for your time and that was Ken Dobinson, a former director of the Department of Main Roads, who was considered by many as one of the brightest forward-thinking executives who had an engineering background. You can hear the full interview with Ken by going to our website, drivenmedia.com.au. If you would like to nominate a bridge you think is one of the most elegant, send us an email to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au and we will discuss them and other feedback in our next program.